Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Lord, we thank you for this sequence of passages that show us the beginning of your mission in the world and the end of your mission in the world and the means by which you accomplish your mission in the world. And we pray, Lord, that you would illumine for us what you might say to us through these words and that we might hear your words go and might gladly say, yes, Lord, and follow you into your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, and if there's one thing about wings that I know is they do not eat themselves. So, acknowledge. There's, there's, I think there's three reasons why the Super Bowl, there's you know, the actual game, eh. There's commercials, eh, pretty good. But snacks, that's the real reason to watch the Super Bowl. So, happy snack day to all of you um, instead of Super Bowl Sunday. We have um, these texts about mission in the season of Epiphany. And those things really go well together. We've talked about this in the last couple weeks. Two weeks ago, we talked about the connection between repentance and mission out of the pat, that beautiful passage in Jeremiah chapter three and four, where God says to his people, if you will repent, then I will bless the nations. So that repentance leads to this effect of the nations being blessed. And Jesus said something similar. He came preaching the gospel and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance being a means by which God brings his kingdom through us to the world. And last week we saw the substance of Jesus' mission in the beginning of his ministry, the ways in which he comes with authority. He doesn't teach like the scribes. He teaches as one with authority. And as the kingdom comes into the world through Jesus, there's confrontation. This unclean spirit appears before him and convulses things around him. And Jesus, with a, a word, is able to silence him. And we see the authority of Jesus in bringing the kingdom. And this week, we get to see the full sweep of the story of mission in the Bible. We have a Genesis reading, we have a Revelation reading, and we have the gospel in the middle. It's a nice Bible sandwich where you get the bookends and you get the trajectory of one of the major stories, if not the through-line story of the Bible, which is God's determination to draw people to himself. So God has this determination to draw people to himself and we see how he does that, how he calls people, how he achieves his mission through his people. And we get to glimpse the ending in Revelation. Some people, when you read a book, like to flip to the end because they wanna know it's all gonna work out <laughs> and it helps you get through the highs and lows of the suspense. A few weeks ago, we were watching uh, an Indiana Jones movie, first one that we've watched with our kids. And there was a little bit of fear. And one of the things we said is, it's okay, there are other Indiana Jones movies, meaning he survives. <laughs> you know, he's under the truck. He's not gonna get his face melted. It's gonna be fine. And there's something about knowing the end of the story that helps us get through the story. And here we get a picture of the end of the story that God has accomplished his mission, that every tribe and tongue and nation are standing before the throne and that they are worshiping him. So we know the end and 
we get to look at how God is gonna get us to the end of the story. We also get to look at the beginning with Abram as well. But first I wanna begin in the middle. I don't know if you remember this from high school, but the Odyssey, you know, it begins in the middle, in media race, in the middle of the race. I wanna begin in the middle. I wanna begin with the meat in the sandwich, which is Matthew 28 and what we call the Great Commission where Jesus after his resurrection gathers his disciples to himself on that mountain and says this astonishing thing, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Therefore go. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. I've mentioned this the last couple of weeks, but there's a way in which we can think that, G- that Jesus is himself the kingdom of God, meaning He is the place where heaven and earth are perfectly aligned. He is the place where God's will is perfectly done. He is, to say it another way, the answer to the Lord's prayer. When we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus is the answer to that prayer because in him, those things are perfectly aligned. Heaven and earth, humanity, divinity, the will of God perfectly done. And I also mentioned last week that in Jesus, his authority is perfectly aligned with his goodness. So Jesus uses his power to bless. Jesus uses his power to heal. Jesus uses his power to teach us with authority. And that's very important for us, I think, in the moment that we live in because we divide authority and goodness. Meaning, for us, power is in one category and goodness is in another category. And maybe they line up sometimes, but typically they don't. Actually, to pursue power is to run away from goodness. You could say this, that our experience says us that light, tells us that life is more like Game of Thrones, whereas our heart tells us that we really want Lord of the Rings. <laughs> not that Lord of the Rings is not about power, it is the ring of power, but the culmination of the story in the return of the king is actually there is a good king with power that can bring healing and flourishing and restoration to the land. That's the story that we want to be true. And there's a reason that we want it to be true because we read the ending of the story and that that is the story (laughs) that the Bible tells, that there is a good king, a lamb who wants to lead us, to heal us, to restore us. So I think that's a very important theme to us meditate on is that Jesus and Jesus' authority and goodness are perfectly aligned, that he uses his power to be a blessing, and then he gives his disciples that same power. I have authority, I'm giving you authority to go into the nations and to make disciples, to teach them what I taught you, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and all the things that Jesus says in that passage. We might say this, that on the basis of the authority that Jesus has, Jesus calls us to join him in his mission. But the question is, is how do we get to that moment what things happened in the past to bring us to the moment where Jesus is saying these things on this mountain. Of course, we have Jesus's ministry, but way, 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 way back in Genesis, we have in many ways the catalyst for all of this, which is the calling of Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Look at that in your bulletin, page five. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. There's that word again, go. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. God says to Abram, go. Go to the land I will show you. There's this idea in theology called the scandal of the particular. Meaning, 
Christianity is about universal love, love of God and love of neighbor, but then there's the particular people or this idea of election that can sort of be a stumbling block sometimes. And it sort of starts here with Abram, which is God intends to bless everyone through one man and one family. And God gives away the ending. He says, I'm gonna bless you and through you, I'm gonna bless the nations. If you're Abram, I don't know how you understand any of that, but he says, yes. God says, go, and then verse four, which is not in our reading, it says, and Abraham went, or Abram went. So the scandal of the particular is God chooses individual people to bring about his mission. God says, I call you, I will bless you, and in calling you and in blessing you, I'm gonna bless all the nations. I will bless others through you. I will make you a blessing to others When I say go, and as you go, I will bless others. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Paul tells us that that, the answer to that riddle is Jesus, as you might imagine, that he's the seed who is the blessing to all nations. But Abram doesn't know that. Abram doesn't know that Isaac is in his future. He doesn't know all the twists and turns. He just says yes. And so much of the whole drama of the biblical story, I think, is captured in this moment that through a particular beginning, we get led to this universal end where all people from all times and all tongues and all nations are gathered before the throne of God. And it's through God's selection of this one person and this one family and what he does in and through them that leads to Jesus, that leads to him blessing us and calling us into his mission. And there's only one reason that we even know Abram's story because he said yes. There may have been other people who didn't say yes. When God said go, they didn't go. But Genesis 12, four tells us Abraham went. Abram went. This is before he's Abraham. And this dynamic, this drama of people saying yes to God so that they might be blessings to others, joining God in his mission leads us all the way to Revelation seven in the throne room of God where every tribe, tongue, and nation are represented, where there is a numberless multitude before the throne of God worshiping them. And we get to see a glimpse of heavenly worship, the praising of God for his great salvation. That wonderful phrase, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. He is the one who saves. Maybe we played our part along the way. Maybe we said yes. When he said go, we went. But it is God to whom salvation belongs. And we hear an echo of that in our psalm today, Psalm 86, verse 9. All nations you have made will come and worship you, O Lord, and glorify your name. It's even there in the psalms. This idea that God intends through his particular people, Israel, to draw all people to himself. And we have, again, this example that God is the one who is enthroned. God is the one with all authority. And what does he do with that authority? What does he do with that power? What does he do? He calls people to himself and he blesses them. Again, his authority and his goodness are aligned. Which brings us all the way back to the meat and the mission sandwich. (laughs) Matthew 28, we call it the Great Commission. And when he says, all authority has been given to me, now go. That's our summons. And it's not a summons to our own mission, it's a summons to God's mission. 
And there's some implications of all of this. And one implication, as I've already mentioned, is that God has a mission and that he's always been on mission. Um, Abram isn't the one who comes to God and says, I have a great idea. Why don't you bless me? And when you bless me, it'll be a blessing to all people. What do you say, God? Abram couldn't have thought of that. But God comes to him and says, I will make a great nation of you and I will bless the nations through you. It's God's mission. From creation onward, God has been on mission. And we see that God invites us to join him in that mission. So Matthew 28 famously is called the Great Commission, right? Think of just, let's break the word apart, co-mission. We are on mission with God. He's inviting us to join him in his mission to draw all people to himself. There's a biblical scholar who's written a beautiful book about this called The Mission of God. His name is Christopher Wright. And this is how he puts it. He says, mission is not ours, mission is God's. Certainly the mission of God is the prior reality out of which flows any mission that we get involved in. Say that again. The mission of God is the prior reality out of which flows any mission that we get involved in. It's God who calls Abram, not Abram who says, God, I've got a great idea. Wright goes on to say this. It is not so much that the case that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. So that's a mind trip, so let me say it again. It is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. That God has been on mission to draw people to himself and that the church is a means by which he does that, a means by which we join him in that mission. Mission was not made for the church, he goes on. The church was made for mission, God's mission, to draw people to himself. And we get the sneak peek of the ending that every tribe, tongue, and nation is standing before the throne of God, worshiping him. So think of Jesus on that mountain. After the resurrection, all the disciples are standing there. The 11 are standing there. And you know who was standing there? St. Bart. St. Bartholomew was standing there and he heard go and he went. So our namesake, we think about it because he and all those men who were standing there and all the disciples who saw and believed and saw the resurrected Christ because they went, we're sitting here now. And anybody who's gonna sit in a church in the future or worship God in the future is gonna be there because people went to preach the good news to continue that mission. This is something you know Jay would say a lot when we were becoming St. Bart's, this idea that Bartholomew went east. He went. He took a copy of the Hebrew, of the Gospel of Matthew in Hebrew, and he went east. And he was martyred there. He's one of these people standing before the throne in a white robe. He went. And so many countless others have gone before us. And we sit here now with the opportunity to go. I want you to think about um, what we're doing as us joining in God's mission. What St. Bart's is doing as a worshiping community is joining in God's mission, mission to draw people to himself. We're part of the Anglican mission in America. We are a missionary society. 
one of the things that happened um, when the Anglican Commission was founded is a bunch of the global um, majority world Anglicans, which is where most of the Anglicans in the world are, not in America and not in Britain, they're in Africa and they're in Asia, they saw America and what they saw was a mission field. That might be hard for us because maybe one of the constant internal debates we have as American is, is America a Christian country? And where we found it as a Christian nation. Our brothers and sisters in the global world says, forget that question, y'all are a mission field. <laughs> you need the gospel. And some of the bishops that first laid hands on bishops that became the beginning of the Anglican mission, they saw America as a mission field. And they said, we need an Anglican church planting missionary society. We're part of that. So just, I just want you to have that context. Because for us, when we think about St. Bart's and why we planted is because a church plant is a means by which God accomplishes his mission. And that might seem counterintuitive because the action word of tonight is go. <laughs> but sometimes the way that we go is by being where we are and being available to what God is already doing. And East Dallas is this amazing place where God has drawn the nations here. In our zip codes, in East Dallas, there are many tribes and tongues and nations. Just ask Esther at For the Nations Refugee uh, Outreach Ministry. And if you go over to Vickery Park, there's plenty of tribes and tongues and nations there. God is drawing the nations here. And what I wanna say sort of in a counterintuitive way is that our going has a lot to do with staying. Meaning being available to God is being available to God in the geography where he's planted us. And that's what we mean when we talk about rootedness. Is that we want to be rooted here so that there's a stable place that as we're going, that we can draw people into a worshiping community. And that one of the means by which we do that is through hospitality. So when we talk about hospitality, we always talk about this collect that's in morning prayer, which says, Lord Jesus Christ, you stretch out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that the whole world might come within your saving embrace. So send us. Jesus is welcoming the world on the cross. When we were worshiping and the, the light was just right at four o'clock on this beautiful February night, that the way that the cross was illuminated was just very stunning tonight. I don't know if you noticed that, but that's the means by which Jesus accomplished his mission. Um, we put a lot of emphasis on the cross and rightly so, but it's a means to this greater end. How does God draw people to himself? He saves them through the death of his beloved son, but that's not the end of the story. He's welcoming the world with his outstretched arms. And that's part of how we feel called to do mission as St. Bart's is through being established here, rooted here, and through the means of hospitality. So when we hear that word go, it, for some of us, it might literally be, we're not gonna be here anymore. And for some of us, it actually means, no, stay and be available. Stay and be open within the context of your family, within the context of your kid's school, within the context of your workplace, within the context of the places you shop and the lake that you run around and all of the things that we do as part of the community state of St. Bart's in East Dallas, be available. Kind of, you may have heard this phrase before, but as you are going, make disciples. As you are going about your life, 
And that we have this community here where in our own childlike way, where we're playing dress up every week, we're trying to enact heavenly worship. <laughs> we're trying to bring the ending into the middle right now. The ending, we're, we're all worshiping before the throne of God and we're praising him for the great things that he has done. We're trying to do that here. That the worshiping community is meant to be a glimpse of the end of the story. So God calls this one dude, this one pagan dude out of nowheresville. And he said, yes. And through that family, the nation of Israel came. And through the nation of Israel came our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he stands before his disciples and stands before us and says, go. So that's the invitation. And I'm saying, if you feel called to St. Bart's, then your going kind of means staying <laughs> in the sense of being available, being available in your life to what God might be doing and the people that he might be drawing to himself through you. So my encouragement to you is to pay attention to that. Pay attention to the relationships that you have. Pay attention to the connections that you have. Pay attention to the opportunities that you have to practice hospitality, to practice a kind of rootedness that... Uh, runs against the grain of anxiety and busyness and all the things that we all fall prey to, myself included. So God has a mission. He's telling us to go. He's asking us to join us in his mission. So let's do that. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you um, that you give us a glimpse of the end so that we might live here in the here and now in the ambiguity of the middle of the story. We pray, Lord, for the grace and the power in your Holy Spirit to go, and as we are going, to say yes to those people and relationships um, that you've given us, and that we could practice that act of hospitality where through us you reach the world and invite them to that great ending where we stand before you and worship you. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.